Silence! Silence! I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is a little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. Curiosus Animus. I'm here with my good friend Alexi Nervisky, aka Lucius Labs or Lucius. Uh, introduce yourself, my friend. Yep, my name's uh, Alexei Nervisky. Um, the introduction could be quite long, but I'll, I'll try to keep it short. Uh, born in Cape Town, South Africa. Moved to Oklahoma when I was two. One, you know, moved to Florida when I was six, and then basically got my undergrad in astrophysics, physics, planetary science, and astronomy master's in mechanical engineering and a lifelong lifelong practitioner of meditation so there you go i have uh pardon the echo folks by the way i'm in a new location things will be changing and this will all be reconciled shortly in quick order that said i've been following alexi for um probably a little over a year now and he has a youtube which i would encourage people to go at least check out because there's information that he presents that I feel is pertinent to um, the way that we kind of perceive and interact with our own existence here with, in what we call the world. So uh, you've written a book, correct? Yes, sir. Yep. Now, now in your book, I, I, you may or may not have things prepared for visual and that's fine, but it talks about the the ratio and torsion of how we perceive reality correct yeah i go into that a little bit yep now so i'm aware that like there's other institutes like heartmathinstitute.com where it talks about the human torsion field right where it starts at the solar plexus and extends outward and it seems that that is something that is scalable right yeah. is that essentially the the gist of it yeah, um, you could say I came across that same torsion field in a slightly different way. I know that a lot of people talk about the heartbeat. I actually um, came across it by studying the circadian rhythm. That's another cool system. So as as a lot of people can appreciate when the sun breaks the horizon in the morning and you start receiving that uh, light from it, oftentimes you'll wake up from it. If you are in... Uh, shall we say like a natural kind of rhythm with your body like relatively healthy eating and being exposed to light during the day you start to get tired when the sun goes down the circadian rhythm is the 
body's way of actuating being awake and sleepy through serotonin and melatonin, correct? Yep. In a physical sense, in a physical sense, right? That's exactly what's happening. Yep. What's in a non-physical sense? You want to get into that a little bit? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of the premises of of my work is basically to show how the non-physical is what controls the physical in a way. Um, and so when it comes to the, the body and science and stuff, I think we're kind of limited to the material world. And so that basically is why we're so caught up on the melatonin or DMT or things of that nature. But that all starts from that primary vortex, the one that actually, you know, is in your heart, it's in your breath, it's in the hydrogen atom, it's in all aspects of creation itself. And so um, how does that actually cause the rising and falling of the circadian rhythm? Is more what I, I like to think about. So that's cool because I can appreciate that what we call matter or most people would call just the world, right? So where we exist, if you go down, you start looking at cells and you go down beyond the subcell and you start looking at uh, quantum like quarks and whatnot, you go down far enough and eventually you come to a place where they don't have an answer and there is nothing in which ultimately everything is built upon and that absent place or that void or whatever you want to put a name to is the substrate from which everything else that we experience is built upon from my point of view in education so far mostly self-education because the uh from where i'm sitting the public education is another failure so um, <laughs> no worries. Um, yeah. what I was gonna say is, uh, well, I think one aspect that might help a lot of people kind of get a better, better grasp, grasp on it would be to understand that it's all of physical creation, everything that we perceive to be matter, is basically constructed in our brains. Um, so when it comes to what is matter from a physics or from a creation standpoint of view, it's basically little curls of fluid of space time curling around like little vortices. Um, and our brains are able to harmonize with it when it enters our dimension of space-time. And so there's this, you could say there's this constant illumination of um, matter from the raw spirit of creation, kind of always drifting inwards towards the center of time. And when it hits our layer, it kind of illuminates it and lights it up. Um, and so matter is only matter to us within our dimension and our perception of the physical realm. I mean, even uh, I think Tesla says it best, like everything is vibration and frequency, right? If you want to understand the universe, study vibration and frequency. Um, and so there really is no matter. It's more just a relative. Um, there is matter, obviously, like we live in a four dimensional environment, but like what is matter? Well, it's a relative frequency. And so all of the earth, all of the matter on the earth, including our bodies, you can think of it as just like a spiral of energy rotating about the center. There really is no matter. There's just energetic relationships. And all of that flow, all that turbulent fluid is also orbiting the center of the sun. It's orbiting the center of a galaxy. And so there ends up being a layering of these turbulent flows when it comes to our perception. Um, so without uh, the mathematics background, like I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with the Fibonacci sequence with, with that curl and the ratios that are involved in that. So um, when you're talking about, I, so I encourage to our listeners to look into the electromagnetic spectrum and how we're only perceiving a very, very small segment of that. Right? And so 
I guess that the energies and vibrations are passing through what we're capable of perceiving with our biological uh, sensory organs, right? So I, I've discussed before in previous episodes how um, the extra mission theory of, um, oh Lord, I'm, I'm slipping his name and that's a failure on my end, um, Lucidian, uh, Euclid, uh, he had an extra mission theory with the eyes and there is a electrical extramission that is detectable within two millimeters of the eye. And uh, furthermore, the ear also emits its own tone through the cochlea as the uh, hairs are always vibrating. So we have this constant give and take with our brains and our surrounding environment. So beyond that, the, uh, the mind is only kind of capable of perceiving. One second, please. Sorry. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Let me hit pause real quick. We're right back after a brief hiatus. So the, the human brain is in a state constantly where the mechanics that we have to interpret the senses of our immediate environment are essentially, um, according to a neuroscientist that I have followed on TED Talks, talks about how we are hallucinating our reality all the time, right? The eyes are only capable of receiving a, a bandwidth that is so big of the electromagnetic spectrum, the ears in the same mechanism. However, the, the body in itself is able to receive information through what I suspect is uh, field interferometry, where the electrical discharge of the, the environment is to be able to be perceived through other senses or if the sixth sense is beautiful. Um, some people feel like they're being watched when in actuality they're standing in close proximity to, let's say, uh, a high voltage uh, circuit breaker panel behind them. You know, there's been episodes of that on various ghost hunter channels where they feel that interconnectivity, like our whole nervous system is essentially an electrical grid. So with things coming and going throughout uh, our perceivable reality, with that curl, is it coming from a, a higher place into a lower place or a lower place into a higher place from your perspective? Like, what is the, the interaction? Yeah, okay, so the interaction there would be as far as um, our perception of it, um, that's coming from both. It's coming from the inside and the outside because our, <laughs> hard to see, but basically our perceptions of the now moment are a creation of one half past and one half future. And all of that is a relative motion. And so you have half of our creation is a relative motion towards the future and half of it is a relative creation towards the past. And so when you start talking about um, Einstein's theory of relativity and you, you consider time dilations and Lorentz contractions, you see that the future is actually in a more compressed state than the past. When it comes to the, uh, the fluid that we're actually traveling through, the entire universe is traveling through a fluid as well. And so when it comes to traveling through that, you get one half past, one half future. They overlap to create a now moment. And um, I think I have a drawing in, the, in this book I could actually share real quick that'll show what I'm talking about. Please do. Yeah, because ultimately, um, what came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, the same question could be asked for a, a conscious experience within time. And science basically says that humans evolved on Earth, right? I mean, I, I'm going with it. And so basically, our senses are tuned to flows of space-time that already existed before we started to evolve. And so 
theoretically, how could you get all the sensations of matter, light, um, and sound with one motion through one fluid? And this is the solution that I came up with. Um, and it, it seems actually super logical. And so if you imagine our entire universe is orbiting a greater structure, so you could say that this is the center of all time right here, like a singularity. And if we're orbiting around, we'll have a relative motion to the, the fluid we're experiencing. So if you go to this drawing, you see that half of the matter, because it's almost like you're in a gravitron. All right, this might be an easier way to put it. So you're in a gravitron, you're stuck against the wall. Half of everything is being crunched to you and half of everything is being stretched away. But then in the past, it all reverts back to normal because it's Heisenberg's uncertainty principle. And so when it comes to perceiving matter, it's all, it's a layering of inner dimensions crunching towards you, creating our physical universe. And then all the light we see is being stretched away. It's the one fluid being perceived in a now moment. And so then that's the, that's the future. But in the past, it all reverts back to normal. So matter gets crunched from above and light gets shot down from above. And that same lines of thinking also explains quantum loop gravity. Um, so I do think there's a lot of validity to it. And I want to show this other drawing actually might give us a better picture. And so let me see. This is Again, a different. Sorry book. about my audio, folks. I'm sure you hear vehicles and airplanes and things. And you have to close these windows. This is going to take some adaptation. The easiest way to, for me to explain it is that in one line, matter from below returns as light from above and light from above returns as matter from below. And so this is this shows the actual crunching and stretching. Say you're orbiting counterclockwise in that drawing, you would see that you would have a relative relationship to the matter as you experience it. So we're based, our entire universe is, all the physical and all the light is emerging as we're perceiving this fluid. Um, and so we end up getting something like this, where we have one half past and one half future overlapping. So that leads me to a bunch of different questions, and I, I hope you don't tire of me during it. So with the image that you showed us, where is there is a uh, refraction kind of aspect where uh, the, the most common relatable thing that I could explain to anybody is when you're looking into water and you see a fish, but the fish is not actually where the fish is. The fish is where you are perceiving through a refraction of the surface of light and it changes where the fish actually is versus where you perceive it, right? Right. Uh, which, which I suppose could be relatable as to where people are able to have precognition, let's say of an event. We're like, oh shit, I knew that was going to happen or I could see that coming. And that is partially based in one's own historical experience of just, let's say, life in general versus the potential of things to come and where we have our information to base our projections of. Because like the brain is a problem solving machine all the time. And admittedly, it is fallible and uh, uh, subject to uh, trickery, let's call it. So with... Um, that last image that you showed where there was kind of a cone going through and showing half past, half future. Does that implicate, like I, I keep kind of going back to the Mandela effect where people have various um, 
memories of different kind of historical events. And I'm aware that there are like regional differences where um, like the Bernstein Bears effect that I, I learned about recently is partially in due to uh, licensing through different companies. And so they had to change a couple letters in order to get the book out all over the place. But that's, I digress. Right. I, th I, I don't really follow too much into the Mandela effect. I think that a lot of that might be um, just people misremembering the past, you know. Um, <laughs> but I do uh, speak on the ability to have that intuition of an event about to come, somewhat looking into the future in a way and how that could work. Um, and it might be challenging again, but if you have, so we, we, I didn't mention it earlier, but basically all that, we're in a, we're in a black hole, right? Creations exist within a black hole. We can't see past the edge of the universe, uh, the visible, visible universe, because it's accelerating at the speed of light outward. And we can't see into black holes because it's accelerating at the speed of light inward. And so our entire dimension is a relative layer within a, within a black hole, ultimately. And, um, and so this raw prana, the raw chi of creation is constantly drifting inwards. And so there's different, I'm not going to call them simulations, but there's different information matrices that exist at different distances, different shells of this black hole. And so when you look at this drawing here, basically one way to describe it is you have the raw prana, the raw chi of creation drifting inward, and then you have the different dimensional layers. And so based off of what I call the golden spot, meaning how close you are to your perfect center is how well you'll be able to transfer information through those different dimensional layers. Um, because it's all about an electrical connectivity to the to the raw spirit of your creation ultimately. Um, and so basically when you get when you get filled with like delusions like ego, like um, things like I want or don't want or assume or expect, um, you start to solidify a posture. And so instead of being uh, perfectly focused naturally by the universe itself, you're you're being perfectly focused and then you have your wants and don't wants causing you to pace about that perfect electrical connection. Um, and so by removing those different spirals that you create through your, the pacing motions of your life, it actually brings you back to center to where you can actually receive information from all the different densities of creation. And at that point, um, that's when you'll be able to see slight, in my opinion, right? That's where you'll be able to see slightly into the future and also into the past and also connect to your past and future lives. Um, that's why I, I speak a lot about the golden spot, you know, because I feel like that that's that was something I was shown when I was like 10 years old in a very, very vivid meditation. And so when it, when it comes to my ability to meditate and do all those kinds of things, it has everything to do with the golden spot. I think you're muted right now. Whoopsie. Thank you. I appreciate that, Alexi. Uh, yep. So that's, that's interesting that it boils down to electricity or uh, electrical conductivity, right? Because like our entire nervous system is essentially like a, a electrical storm going on all the time. And that's, that's rad that um, that golden spot or that place where you are more neutral, which would, so, all right, for, for the folks who don't know, both water, electricity, and force in general, like when it comes to explosives, everything always travels in the path of the least resistance. So, if you are not predisposed to think I'm this, I'm that, I'm here, I'm there, you would be in a more, as Bruce Lee put, 
put it, um, being like water. You're in a, a liquid fluid state wherein you are not super rigid about the positions that you, you hold all the time. And that's not to say that um, there are kind acts and unkind acts, because I, I definitely buy that. Like I have my own perceptions about things and I wouldn't want to mess with anybody else's ride down here where we're at. So um, with the, the path of least resistance, when you say that I am, all right, let's say, let's say that I choose to identify as a light worker, right? And like everything's love and light. Well, that means that you're restricting the ability to receive the information from places where things are not quite so love and light because it, for me, in my experience currently, that everything is not so black and white. There's not good and bad. Everything is kind of shades of gray, but there is indeed, like Alexi's image, a wavelength. Things do happen in waves. Things go up, things go down. You have good times, you have bad times, and everything has its own value. If you can't appreciate the bitter of salt, where can you find the way or, um, or the contrast to appreciate something that is sweet? You know what I mean? Like it, everything does tend to go up and down and have waves from where I've been so far, sir. Definitely. I was, the reason why I'm, I'm like staring down, I'm trying to find a very specific line from my books right now. Um, and it talks about the path of least resistance and how not only is there one naturally by the universe itself, but then there's also one that's created by the mental distortions of all the people and all the beings of free will and choice on the planet. Um, because they all walk around with their assumptions, their wants, don't wants, assumptions and expectations that are constantly rippling outwards from them. And so when you have two people overlapping and they have thoughts that collide, you, there's literally a, a stress and stress is, stress is like a force and stress creates strain, which is a deformation to that raw fluid of creation. And when you have deformations, you create pressure differences. And so it's almost like a walking trail is formed in the woods based off of the conscious thoughts of everyone on the planet. Because you could consider the earth before it even had mind on it, um, meaning beings of free will, you know, free will and stuff like that. And we would um, basically all all objects, water, rock, all that stuff would be perfectly focused to what I would call the golden spot. But now you have beings of free will and choice, and you also have all these delusional expectations going on. And so people are constantly pacing about a perfectly focused center. And all of those, every single person on the planet overlapping with their ripples creates a path of least resistance. And that ends up being the flow that people take if they're not using their willpower or if they're not like stepping into their power and understanding because we're always existing within a, a flow of space-time and that flow of space-time that we exist within naturally is that path of least resistance. Yeah. So I, I talk about the path of least resistance and how it's almost like a walking trail in the woods for deer, you know? I, oh man, I, I, I'm not sure I can ask you to repeat that last sentence again, but so when it comes to the overall <laughs> path of least resistance, right? Like, so then we start getting into a different section a little bit where we talk about like mass consciousness, where it is affectable through, let's say media, right? Like we have our uh, various groups have their favorite news agencies, CNN, Fox, NBC, name it, right? And so all of these people tend to focus their mental energy into their own perceptions of the way that reality is and that in turn creates their own dynamic right and so that has to overall affect 
the way that everybody is. And is that then a question of who can affect the most amount of consciousness overall to steer things the way they want to go? The And so the easiest answer for me to say is the person with the slowest mind, meaning the slowest mental vibrations will have the greatest effect on the, the incoming universe. Because people that are um, activating, does that make sense to you already? Yeah, absolutely. People that are no. activating on, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, all that social media stuff is basically the end result of all of our creations. And so you can't ever actually like move society from, from posting on Facebook or posting on Twitter. If you actually want to move society, you need to be in that long wave connected to the sun, connected to earth, connected to the galactic center even. And like, um, and this drawing even shows it better ultimately again. Because what I like to say is our universe, the green shell there, is our is our awake state, alpha and beta waves of conscious experience. The red the red sphere is what I call the lower verse, which is your delta and theta wave patterns. And so delta and theta wave patterns basically work with the subconscious mind, and they work with the um, assumptions and expectations of a lifetime. But that's in the pre-manifest realm before that energy even hits our dimension of awake, awakeness. Because if you consider the human body to be a collection of waves somewhat, and everything's relative, all relative vibrations, we're in a black hole, energy is constantly spiraling inwards. Well, we start reorganizing is what, how I say it. We start reorganizing the light state from the greatest reaches of our consciousness. And the greatest reaches of our consciousness are those delta and theta waves. They're the biggest waves of our creation. And so as that energy starts to come in, we, we manipulate it to be what it is at the end state. Um, what's, and so that's why it's so challenging in a way to, you could say, um, get people to think, think in a more positive way. And it's because media has such a grasp on people. It's built their assumptions and expectations over a lifetime. Watch. And so I, I made a post earlier today. It's like, how good of a deed do you actually have to do in order to get the same media coverage that people that do wrong get? Right. Because someone it's not that hard to go do wrong and then get on every single channel in the in the country or I mean, you go do something good. Are you going to get that same motivation? And so that's just one subconscious like enhancer, you could say, to go more towards that negative path. But more what I was getting at is like if that's all we see all day, those assumptions and expectations are what we think reality is. I'm actually about to make a short video at, about this at sunset right now. And it's like. um we need to become aware that our assumptions and expectations massage the universe before it is created physically. And if we're all walking around assuming that something bad's going to happen somewhere or expecting something bad to happen somewhere, we're, we're tossing those pebbles into the pond of creation and we're making it more and more likely. We're making that the path of least resistance um, by believing that it is so. And so that's where there needs to be somewhat of a retraining of the subconscious mind. Um, but not, but of every person on the planet almost, because we're all born into different fractals of creation. Like I'm born in America. That person's born in Russia. Someone's born in Ukraine. Someone's born in China. And so now we already have these base identifiers, um, that people need to, uh, for me, it, it was kind of a common thing because I was born in Cape town, South Africa, moved to Oklahoma. And so I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm over there. People act different here. People act different in America. So by traveling, I was able to basically see that depending on where you're born is how you're going to act, right? And so I don't see why people aren't more understanding of that, you know, to begin with. Like, okay, so people from that country act like that. You can ex not say expect things like that, but, you know, don't be shocked when it happens. Um, 
But at the same time, you're no better than them and they're no better than you. And right and wrong is very relative and people only know what they've ever been shown. And so if you go around just automatically dismissing people and like not trusting them, pushing them away because they don't have the same values, well, you're not helping ever, anyone grow, really. You're creating you're creating walls. You're creating paths of least resistance. And so ultimately right now, through the media and all those subconscious propagations, we've created so many paths of resistance to where we kind of, you know what I'm saying? We're always, we're going to be clashing into each other until there's a fundamental change. Right. Uh, yeah. if it, like as the onion has layers, so too are we creating these micro differentiations where people are no longer choosing to communicate within various paradigms. You're blowing my mind. Um, so when it comes to what you're talking about, the the slowest of the, all right, at, at, let's say energy starts from the center and whips outward, right? And so you're only able to move fast as the least or the slowest uh, attachment to that chain. So, so what, you, what, what I just want to correct something real quick. So the fun, the physical that we experience emerges from the primary vortex of creation. And so you can imagine a primary vortex of creation. And then we have our like seven chakra points that are basically an overlapping of different waves within it, but matter, light, and sound emerge from that. And so that's why it looks like everything grows from a plank scale outward is because that's our perceptions being stretched away and crunched to us. But when it comes to like the actual fifth dimensional creation of all that stuff, it's, it's basically perfectly stepped and perfectly laminarized in a nice vortex. Um, laminarized i like that word i need you to explain it because that's, that's i use that word a lot just because you the i mean consider a river there's um places where there's rapids and the and the water is very turbulent so you could call that a turbulent flow laminar is where the water is like smooth like a rope like it never changes perfect gloss perfect water coming in and so if you want to imagine the raw chi of creation spiraling towards center in a perfect flow i would call that a laminar flow but when it hits someone that's holding a lot of delusions, it creates distortions. And those distortions create turbulence around that person. Would a parable be the various oceans that differ in uh, salinity and um, temperature where they, they meet, but they don't actually interact? Yeah. And so that's a really interesting uh, point what you just made. And I would almost say that's like the edges of two countries coming together, though, because it's like two big laminar flows. And then they hit and they never actually combine. Mm. So yeah, it highly related to that. Um, okay. It's for, all, it's for, all for um, like cultural reference kind of thing. Like this country has this set of cultural values. This country has this set and that line in between doesn't necessarily lend to uh, interaction. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Because they've created mental barriers based off of the assumptions and expectations. To say that I am this directly implies that i am not that to say that you know so so for those out there who haven't already taken a really dark nasty look at their own history and things that they go through um we do definitely tend to overall and if you haven't experienced this yet buckle up because you probably will where you see aspects of someone else and you tend to resent or reject it. But if you're willing to look inward, you will find that you are the exact mirror image of the thing that you don't like. There are always aspects within ourselves that um, represent, uh, let me rephrase this, 
there are aspects of other physical representations of the ultimate consciousness that we see ourselves and we don't want to perceive that we also have that potential or to some degree already possess that trait and so saying like i'm not judgmental he's judgmental and in that exact act if you are willing to digest that then you're willing to take a look and say damn like damn maybe i am judgmental and so like i i like to use politicians because they're so uh polarizing you know what i mean so like you know to say like oh i hate trump but i like biden or vice versa they're neither of them are without flaw to some degree because they are so polarizing you know what i mean definitely and i i i i um i definitely see the the reflection aspect when it comes to like um what I call ego, pushing ego or something of that nature. Um, like the second you're like, oh, that person's a this. Well, now look at yourself when you're doing that. Look at, objectively, look at yourself from a bird's eye view. What do you look like while you're calling that person a name? You're kind of coming across as that thing you're probably just called that person. Um, and so that's why it, it, it's sometimes it's best to not interact with people, right? If they're caught up in a very destructive like behavior, sometimes it's best to not, Get, be involved um i see a lot on twitter and a lot on social media like just people going at it back and forth back and forth back and forth the second i start commenting on that man that's a bad day <laughs> like avoid it in my opinion i i would agree um uh, not just because of the the nature of trying to um project your own inner reality on other people but also by commenting you're opening yourself up to the projections and interpretations of other people. So like, not that it's not good to have outside perspectives on your own stuff, but uh, some people are so wrapped up into the, what they are and what they aren't that they're willing to put a whole lot of things that they have built up over time onto you. Well, and that's where I feel like one of the problems is in a way with the modern media and the modern movements, you could say propaganda movements, because people are trying to identify as these things. Um, and I'm trying to be careful how I speak here, because we I, there's a couple of certain movements, I'm pretty sure people are aware of them. And it's like, well, how do I identify? And it's like, well, they, they've, they've taught you now identifies this identifies this identifies this. And so it gets layered and layered and layered until this person is basically so fractaled outward that they can't actually really properly interact with humanity. Um, <laughs> and that, that happens in all different aspects and all different regards. And so when I've, you know, people have been asked, like you asked me in the beginning of the show, introduce myself. And I, I was pretty reluctant to do that. When I had that uh, conversation with uh, Elizondo and Artisan Tony and um, Chris Leto, before we even started, uh, Artisan Tony was trying to define me. He was like, and Lucius is, uh, and I just basically cut him off and I was just like, human i am human on earth done if you want to if you want me to identify myself then that's what i'll do i am a human on the planet earth <laughs> that's where i'm at and that's kind of what i'm doing right now like to the best of my abilities because the human experience is is frankly fucking vast right like i i by the way i'm pro profanity on this cast so <laughs> like it's it's 18 and up like i'm not trying to you know outside of uh, uh different topics i'm not so, <laughs> so yes. So the human experience is so vast 
And to say that there are only one set of parameters that define a human being or makes them good or bad is, it's poppycock, it's crackerjack, it's fucking nonsense. Because the entire experience overall is the only thing that we're going to take with us when this flesh and bone perishes, right? So it all goes back somewhere else. And that's where I'm at with it. Um, so to we can all get addicted to whatever we want. You can get addicted to drugs. You can get addicted to the opposite sex or interactions with the opposite sex or same sex for that matter, for whatever you're, you know, whatever you're into. Um, yeah, generating finances, control, power, um, being on the receiving end of power. Like there's this whole spectrum of opportunities to experience that ultimately don't stay here. Everything goes somewhere else after this uh from what we call time expires right so we have a certain amount of perceivable time here and after that this everything that we've done collected experienced felt perceived goes elsewhere and where that is i can't say i can speculate but that i i guess that's not what folks are here for no <laughs> Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think any math or science will ever be able to answer the question um, because you'll need some type of um, what I call a death sail, right? Like a boat that goes into the afterlife. If you ever want to truly believe or truly prove scientifically all that stuff. But from my understanding, there's reincarnations and there's that that um, that spiral of inward drifting energy that always exists. And so there's versions of yourself that exist more outward and versions of yourself that exist more inward. And the true you is the one that exists throughout all of time, all those different dimensional layers. Um, and that's why our, this physical realm that we're experiencing right now is just one of those, one of the waves that come in and out. It's just a wave pattern. Not, I'm not saying your life is just a wave pattern, but if you want to talk about reincarnation and you want to talk about the raw energy and the spirit drifting in through a black hole, it's just a wave popping in and out, wave popping in and out, popping in and out. And if you align yourself properly, um, to the, what I like to call the golden spot. Well, then for the first step is your dreams will become lucid because in order for um, your to actually stay lucid when you go into dreamland, basically your beta and alpha waves need to pack properly into the delta and theta waves. And what I mean by pack properly is like a perfect compression to where there's no offset distortion or any like um, interference rather, but like more like a perfect harmonization. And that same energy system goes to the past lives all the way and it keeps going to your past lives and past lives and past lives but it also keeps going all the way inward to future lives future lives and future lives but the thing that doesn't come along with us is my house right are the trophies are the other stuff but the, what what does come is the knowledge and in my opinion again always to be very clear is that knowledge and that spiritual um oneness almost the confident the, the ability to be confident without having all those other things because you have like a subconscious understanding that you are exactly where you should be at all times almost it's just instinctual knowledge that i think gets passed through versus um when you're when you're when you're offset you're not able to interact with your instinctual knowledge um so to that regard um i've oftentimes just had an overwhelming sense of like everything's going to be okay. Like, just keep kind of doing what you're doing. And um, I've also had the experience of wanting something really bad 
to the degree where like I know something's coming but I start second guessing myself and I get in my own way as they say so like you, you know instead of just um being uh, shown a, an image of a candle that's in black and white and they say well what color is the candle and instead of saying red you say red wait no uh purple and fuck turned out to be red in the first place and so that uh, that not trust in the initial primal outreach from that like small quiet voice within you um trying to second guess yourself and using your half past to uh, do a better judgment of the half future because you don't have that whole past. You can't, I don't know. I, I'm trying to, I'm reaching a little bit, but I think you know where I'm going. Well, I, I kind of, I, I had an idea, but then I kind of drew a blank. Um, <laughs> no, but like, uh, what was I going to say? Um Sorry, if you just want to rephrase that one more time, I, I like I definitely had something to say to that. So without having a, a whole past, because we only have half past, half future from where you're talking about, right? What, what, well, so what you're talking about is speaking on doubt um, or or um, insecurity. And so what I like, so I like to use different words because doubt can seem kind of religious. Same with the word faith, right? So instead of using doubt and faith, you can use words like insecurity and confidence. And so do you have confidence in your intuition, right? The, the gut vibe of what you already know to be true and what most likely probably will be happening anyway, or do you suffer some type of doubt? And I don't necessarily think it's from, it is kind of from your past, but more of the physical past of this current life um, to where we've been filled with like different thought processes from media. Um, for example, if you don't have a, a certain type of car, you're not going to get the girl, or if you don't have something you won't get something else you need something to get something kind of thought process and so that's where doubt gets instilled or insecurities get instilled because you have a gut natural instinct go over there talk to that person things are going to be great now instead of going and doing that you say okay go over that wait did i did i comb my hair yet have i have i brushed my teeth do i smell bad like all these weird little um doubts right that ultimately will stop you from just going with that what i like to say this is the greatest laminar flow of your creation because instead of just going with your spirit and your heart and doing what you know is true you start to pace and you create a turbulent flow about the manifestation mm -hmm. and so that's a lot of times why i never actually even talk, tell other people about the things that i'm about to do before i do them because the second that I tell someone else, now they can also instill doubt because it's the overlapping of all ripples. So it's almost best to get it done and then tell people about what you did after. I've had my own suspicions about um, what people project onto the secret societies. And one of the things that I came across from that is the reason that people keep so many secrets within is because when, if, if we perceive ourselves as a point of consciousness, across let's say a flat board right uh we all have the same amount of effectual power right like you can go positive or negative for whoever is whoever the minute you project your intention or what you plan to do let's say uh someone says i'm psychic and as soon as you say that someone else can say no you're not psychic you're delusional that creates this antithetical effect 
where they can counteract your intention. And so where we are many points on a, I don't, I don't have a parable, um, a bed of nails, right? Of, uh, of psychic energy where somebody can say, you know, this is going to happen. Other people, as soon as they perceive the influx of, let's call it psychic energy, where someone says, oh, this is going to happen. They can say, oh, no, it's not. And they can begin to mitigate energetically throughout, I, I suspect, all time, the, the effect of the intention initially. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, my, the way I see it is, we, you know, the earth is a, a pure pond of overlapping electromagnetism, like a perfect pond. And every single little being on it, meaning all, all of us with our choices of free will, and, you know, and don't want, want and assume and expect or even doubts or insecurities are just constantly throwing pebbles into the pond. Um, if you have a, a crowd full of people saying, you can do it, you can do it, you got it, you can do it. Like I used to teach a lot of Taekwondo. Um, and so I worked at after school martial arts program and I would I would teach kids how to break boards and things like that. Now you get the whole room telling the kid that he's not gonna be able to break the board. He's a five, okay, imagine he's a five or six year old kid. Get the whole room, tell him he's not gonna break the board. He might even go just cry and not even try to break the board. But now you get that whole room and you tell him you can break the board. The kid will walk up and break the board like full of confidence and full of life. And so that's just the one small and a kind of an extreme example because you're working with children. But at what point do you ever really truly stop learning? At what point does that stuff not really affect you? And I would argue that those kinds of thoughts will affect you until the day you die. And so it doesn't matter if you're a child or a grandpa. I think we should all be always like cheering each other on to reach our goals. You know, and there's a lot of friction in society because of stuff like that. That sounds like inertia with an E. Right? Like, <laughs> like forward motion perpetuated by further acts that continue the the forward movement of force like like fair fair point of uh contention everybody he has a lot more mathematical education than i do i've got a ged that's it he's got astrophysicist stuff going on so um that psychological energy when it comes to someone's self-confidence as to how they are propelled forward I can see how that plays a big role in well, absolutely everything. It relates back to what we were talking about earlier with the path of least resistance. And so that room has created a path of least resistance. It, either either towards not, right? Either like either towards not breaking the board or towards breaking the board. Just the simplest example we're doing here, like a little kid trying to break a board in Taekwondo class. You, you get it black and white, as as so many people say. Yeah, we've collectively created that path of least resistance. Yeah. through our own individual perception of the most likely outcome or through just trying to be part of the crowd and then presenting a positive re affirmation right affirmations are huge yeah i i recall having a conversation with you in the past where affirmations are uh, kind of identify identifiers and I, and I did a little self-work on that also you know to the degree of saying like oh let's say uh i am loving i am kind that means that i am not the antithesis of it right as opposed to just saying i am who i am and i am entitled to whatever i feel or perceive given the circumstances that i am presented with it is very circumstantial but i think that there's a fine line between overusing them 
um you could use them too much to the point where now like i am god i i am almighty and i am the creator of all and almost bow down like so i think there's there's a healthy um aspect to affirmations because if someone's always suffering from like a depression or something and they're constantly just feeding in the back of their mind like i can't do this man life is hard i can't I, man it's every now and then it might be helpful for that individual to use what i call um ego steering and, and by by knowledge okay so it's all for me it's all about getting back to your golden spot so if you're perfectly centered at center and now you you have a doubt you you've come to the negative side over here use your affirmations to bring you back a little bit past it and you'll have a pacing back it's always a pacing about the perfect center so like but if you overdo it now you think you're god you think you're all these things that's a little bit too much and it's ultimately going to pace you back to that perfect center and that's why that's where so when you're at your perfect center just to elaborate a little bit more any thought want don't want assumption or expectation will cause you to get off your perfect center and that's where you'll have that spiraling about it until you settle back down and so that's within a fifth dimensional sense um is the the pacing motions of our lives and how they create distortions within the bigger flows of space-time and so when it comes going off topic a little bit so when it comes to um tulpas and demons and you could even say like ufos from denser creations they typically will come from distortions that are created by our postures because when we hold a posture of offsetness it's a it's a spiral that's going away from source towards where you want to be um and spirals of primal fluid act like habitats because ultimately our entire creation is a comes from a, a primary vortex but it's it's all as above as so below and so as this raw energy of chi hits our dimensional layer the distortions that we create also act like habitats for denser harmonics of creation. So for those listening, um, it might be a good allegory to say that where the chakra system in most instances portrayed through a picture has everything in a line, right? Uh, if you were to be, let's say from three to four, right? Where like we expense experience 3d and let's say 4d is time for argument's sake that little section is where you're experiencing things and it can get skewed one way or the other am, am i understanding that correctly i was more talking about um just how well there was a couple different things but basically like um so you're perfectly centered when you have a once it'll pull you off centered um and so now you have you've created um the easiest way to describe it also too is to say that like so the universe is expanding from every single point in space time and so every single point in space time is almost somewhat fibonacci spiraling outward um and when you are off center you basically shoot off into one of those and you're creating a bigger spiral of primal spatial fluid um but that that's where i was saying that those primal the, those spirals that we create based off of our pacing motions act like habitats for denser beings to evolve within because everything doesn't evolve at the same rate and you can only move as fast as the slowest link in the chain well it's all relative it's all relative to the inertial reference frames and I, not to get too religious but basically you know something started the greatest primary vortex of creation and that the foot the fingerprint in that is is the fibonacci spiral which is found in every single aspect of creation and um so that's a primary vortex but as that that raw chi is drifting towards center it hits our dimension 
And when it hits our dimension, we basically also create little vortices that spiral off of us. And so it's all relative. It's all about a synchronization of fifth dimensional energies because human consciousness itself, you could say was awakened the moment Delta, Theta, Alpha, and Beta harmonized in a vortex to create a tidally locked fluid. And that's why the, we have the circadian rhythm ultimately. It's, it's, it's challenging to see because the physical is manifested from our, our fifth dimension. And so we have this primal vortex. Our brain waves ultimately are superposition of energy orbiting within the within a whirlpool or a black hole. Um, but when that energy from the, the outer realms hits our layer, we create relative distortions as well. And so it's a, the fractalized universe. And so the relative distortions that come off us are spirals of spatial fluid. And if, if you hold a posture of delusion or a posture of like, I want, or I, or of an ego for too long, that vortice will somewhat solidify and become like a really nice spiral to where the, you could say six or seven energies will get tidally locked and you've created a habitat for denser beings to now evolve within. And so that's where, how you can potentially be pulling out gin and tulpa through your meditations. And that's how a lot of that esoteric type of stuff works from my opinion. Again, you know, my understanding. Yeah. I I, I have to have you back on because <laughs> dude. So, like, no, honestly. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So um I would I I can't help but be kind of drawn to magnetism, right? So like I'm I'm self-taught when it comes to electricity and magnetism. And as I'm learning that um magnetism is essentially gravity and so when you have uh, a separation you have these two you know counteractive uh magnetic points you create excuse me again folks <clears throat> these uh one could say like an eddy current right like where you have an offshoot of energy and spiral into its own right so um some folks talk about um uh what is the word that they use um uh cultures that that offshoot or or something to that effect where people say um i don't know some folks reference the nazis and were kind of doing their own thing going off and uh oh like a breakaway civilization thank you the exact phrase i was looking for so yeah. you you have a a situation where by taking these hard stances instead of just kind of staying loose and flowing in the nature of things like a bear or a wolf or a cat or a fish or a bird or anything else that is simply existing in pure existence without focus on whether it is this or it isn't that it simply is what it is just as we are what we are no matter what we experience we may choose to take certain stances based on the experiences we receive and project excuse me again <clears throat> you can create a energetic path for things to take a completely different turn and that's not to say it's good or bad it simply is right that's kind of where everything is like a lot of people will say oh this is good and that's bad well is a lion bad for eating the gazelle the spider bad for eating the fly they they simply are doing what they are doing and it's not good or bad it just is yeah, to go off that, I, I really don't think that a lot of people say like the human being is inherently bad. Or I, I, I disagree with that state. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe not. I, I, I don't. I think people always try to do their best, and I think that we only know what we've ever been shown. And people grow up in different cultures and different environments, and they're just trying to do their best. So I don't. 
I understand that sometimes someone's best might be might come across as like a really bad act, but um, people only know what they've ever been shown. That's all I can really say on that one. You know, that's something that's very scalable. You know, I mean, you could have a um, let's say for argument's sake, uh, a very traditional um, quasi religious contemporary upbringing where you're relatively neutral and you could also have a very extreme positive negative uh if you don't if you're not first you're last um kind of upbringing wherein failure is unacceptable and success by any means is uh the norm you then have two different completely perspectives yeah. on reality and they're on and they're on and they're forth and ad nauseum moving outwards and that's just in our perceivable reality it goes according to Alexi here up and down from there so like there are denser slower forms and more advanced forms boy that is that is a lot to take in that is very kind of uh if well that's how me. that's how it gets into the whole ufo thing is because we're only perceiving the universe um which is our alpha and beta and slow gamma states of brain harmony but there's also just like you mentioned earlier how there's that very thin visible spectrum of electromagnetism we can only see the visible spectrum from blue to red but there's radio waves all the way to fast like all the way to um x-rays kind of thing and so the same is true with the conscious spectrum and we're basically a human being tuned to a relative flow of space-time and we only perceive physical reality when we're in alpha beta or slow gamma states of consciousness when we're in delta and theta we're dreaming we're meditating um or we're complete deep sleep you're completely out um typically but then you also have on the other side of the spectrum slow and fast gamma and when you hit fast gamma you typically have an out-of-body experience and that's also the same vibration that people go through with when they're having their near-death experiences right before they pass away kind of thing and so basically our universe is a very specific conscious frequency the pre-manifest is also a conscious frequency and the afterlife is also a conscious frequency but those are all relative to our perception of time and so slower than delta would be a, another wave and even slower and even slower and even slower but then there's also faster and faster and faster than fast gamma and uh, again it's really hard to to see for some people but like we said earlier like tesla says um it's all vibration and frequency and now combine that with einstein it's all relative vibration and frequency um and so our beta wave of human perception is literally just blinking to the universe um but there's also denser vibrational sets you could say and less dense vibrational sets and all of those potentially act as habitats for beings to evolve within and to exist within uh, yeah i look forward to our next conversation because there's so many points of points of interest here so for example when you talk about our perception is blinking all the time it makes me think of the flicker rate of the human eyeball versus the human or excuse me not human the uh flicker rate of the cat's perceptual reality you know we have these different rates of perceiving the environment in which we're in um Beyond that, I, I definitely wanted to touch on in this first dialogue between you and I about the compression of the various brain waves, right? Because I know that they are all um, related to the Schumann resonance, even though that is not, from what I have heard, detectable on land at this point because of all the frequential interferometry that's going on 
from different stuff. But the I myself have had some experiences and dreams where uh, I end up being in a location later on where I've already been in a dream state. And I know that I don't want to go into that particular house over there because nothing good will come of it. So I, you know, go on about my business. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people have had those kinds of experiences where that slowest rate is able to or, or, or be interpreted by our brain through other frequencies or phases where we can communicate that information from different locales. Definitely. I've got about um, five minutes left. And so I wanted yeah. to just kind of end on this, maybe not end on this, but just to bring up this thought because you were talking about the conscious, the snapshot rate and how it compresses. So what's really interesting is that the average human basically takes a snapshot of reality like 60 times in a second. During extreme stress, we can take uh, maybe 500 frames in a second. But during extreme stress, we're at like a fast gamma where you have an adrenaline rush going on. But when it comes to our typical standing way, we so 60, 60 snapshots in a second. So the, the time would be 1 60th of a second. The speed of light itself is three times 10 to the eight meters per second. When you put those two together, you get a radius of five times 10 to the six meters, 500,000 meters. When you make the diameter, you get a 5 million meters, or sorry, um, a one times 10 to the seven meter sphere, basically. And so what's, okay, so that's like our conscious snapshot in relationship to the speed of light. So how far light can actually move in, bet in between each one of our pictures that we're taking? just naturally based off of brainwave, conscious snapshot and speed of light. Now when, and that's in our physical creation, right? And so that number ends up being one times 10 to the seven meters. When you start to consider orbits of frequencies within a black hole, um, basically the, the delta wave is the longest wave of our creation. And when you get are the longest wave of our creation and you say it's orbiting, the center of a black hole at 1.25 hertz, meaning so like 1.25 seconds is the rotation there. Um, or sorry, it's less than that, but you get what I'm saying. So you're, you're rotating at a very specific moment and you have A, uh, meaning acceleration equal to V squared over R, A is equal to the speed of light. You then basically can do some like simple math to see what diameter you would need to um, contain a delta wave. And it's almost like it actually matches perfectly to be 1.05 times 10 to the seven meters, whereas that other number was one times 10 to the seven meters. And so when it comes to the fifth dimension and how big is our consciousness, it's basically a one times 10 to the seven meter sphere that exists around your perfect center. Um, and so now you have these different shells of your ability to interact with the universe as that raw chi is drifting inwards. Um, so the delta wave is that longest wave of creation, touches all that raw chi before it hits your theta wave, which is the second wave of creation, then alpha, and then beta, and then slow gamma, and then fast gamma. Um, so ultimately, our subconscious minds are guiding that pre-manifest realm. And um, that's, if you wanted to think about mathematical proof, that would be one that just basically shows that our conscious snapshot is 100% related to the delta wave based on rotations, speed of light, and compression factor. <laughs> you, you've uh, baffled, befuddled, and confounded me with your mathematics, sir. However, uh, <laughs> be, being the intuitionistic individual that I am, I can appreciate everything you said. 
as uh, the more that we are presenting information to our subconscious, there so that subconscious, which actually has the direct connection to what is coming next in our reality is coming up, will generate that, right? So Well, yeah, I mean, like all, all evolved senses are secondary to primary flows of space-time. And just like the eyes are tuned to vis- you know certain frequencies, so is the brain. But our brain, our physical reality is only those alpha, beta waves. And so those longer waves are delta and theta. The shorter waves are slow and fast gamma. I mean, I, I don't mind if anyone has a rebuttal. You know, I, I don't mind speaking on it with them. It would be a technology I'm working on designing right now is an interdimensional telescope. Because once that's built, then all this, you could say, some people might call this philosophy at this time. Well, it's only philosophy because we don't have scientific tools. So once you create the tools, you scientifically test it. It's no longer philosophy. It's more of like, this is kind of what's going on in a physical sense. You know? Alexi, please tell everybody where they can find you. I have my work at uh, www.luciuslabs.com. And um, then on YouTube, it's my name, Alexei Novitsky. Twitter at the skate case. And that's, that should probably be pretty good. Alexi, I, I do hope you agree to a, a second and maybe a third encounter here on uh, Curious and Sandwich sure. because this is this is a very fun and opportunist, well, on my end, opportunistic uh, dialogue where I get to really dig deep into some uh, some meat as opposed to just milk for the babes. You know what I mean? This is, <laughs> this is really deep stuff. And I, I'm sure not everybody is going to get it, but those who are picking up what we're laying down will most certainly appreciate it. So again, thank you very much. I appreciate your time and I hope you have an outstanding time at the beach this evening. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs>